We're going to open God's Word now and uh, go into our second message in our series called The Mission, the Gathering, the Scattering of the Church. You can open to Acts chapter 2 if you'd like. We're going to be kind of all over the map this morning, but we're going to start there eventually after I give you a bit of an introduction to the message for today. For those of you who are first time with us this Sunday, you might want to go and check out our YouTube channel and see the message from last week about the mission. We, we do this every summer. I, I mentioned this last, um, last week, that it's kind of a tradition here where we, we, we reset. We come back to, okay, who are we? <laughs> like, what, why are we doing this thing called church? Um, what are the things that we believe? And one of the reasons why we've been doing that is because, A, it's a really good refresher for all of us. We need to be reminded, <laughs> repeatedly it would appear, as Christians, I do too, all of us do, that what, what this is all about, what Jesus is calling us to. But also every summer we usually have people move away and new people come. And so it's also a fantastic opportunity for us to get on the same page together, for you to learn a little bit about who we are and what we believe and why we're doing this. And so last week we looked at the mission. And uh, again, I would really encourage you to check that out from last week because um, mission statements are all over the place (laughs) as to what we're being called to as the church. Uh, We've really synthesized it. Again, you can find it on our website. It's a simple statement. It's basically on our banner at the back there, or at the front, I should say. Well, it's the back from here. I'll get it straight somewhere. Uh, And it is this. We exist to make Jesus known. And we go about that by making disciples who make disciples, teaching them everything Jesus has commanded us to obey and to know and to do, and then themselves to go and make disciples who make disciples into this community. And that is the mission. That, in clearest terms, is the mission. And so once we have that in our minds, now we can move on to today, and we can talk about this, this thing called the gathering. Now, we, we call it the gathering of the church at the rock, and it's, it might sound like semantics, but we think it's really important. Years ago, we started looking at this and trying to understand the gathering of the church, and we were all used to the saying, like you would say to a friend, hey, what did you do on Sunday? Well, uh, I went to church, or I'm going to church. And, and on that basis, a lot of people sometimes, maybe not you, but many people have gotten the idea that the church is either a building, a place, or an event. And we basically say, no, <laughs> it's not. It's us. It's those who are in Christ we are the church. It, it's, it seems like a small paradigm shift, but it's important. And so we always talk about going to the gathering of the church and being part of the gathering of the church on Sunday mornings. So we want to ask a, a few key questions like we did last week this morning, uh, especially coming out and as a result of obviously what we've all been through for the last 18 months, and it seems to be going on, uh, called the global COVID pandemic and being locked down, being unable to do this, to gather together in person with each other, sing praises. I hope you're finding it amazing things to do. And so we, we also look back and say, well, we were thankful, at least, that we live in a day and age of incredible technology, right? I mean, we were able to connect via live stream and be with each other and have virtual Sunday school for our kids, live with a person actually talking to the kids, but also video, right? And and for those of us who were coming here on Thursday night to record the worship and me on Friday night to record the sermon, it wasn't so great, to be honest with you, but we did it. And so we were fortunate to have that technology. And then there's Zoom for community group. Everybody loved that? Didn't we love that? No, not so much, eh? 
It's good to see you without masks on. I can see that you're, 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 you're smiling. But we had those things. And it was helpful. It was helpful to have a sense that we're, we're still together. We're still a family. We're still gathering as the church, even in that way. But I think I, I'd also want to suggest to you that the, the pandemic exposed some things, didn't it? Mm. It, it exposed some things that I believe were happening prior to the pandemic. And, and that is, is that there's a plethora out there, right, uh, of live stream services and videos that you can watch on a Sunday morning, right? And you can stay home. And there's, you know, there's real star-studded performances too, right, with, with the worship and the music. And there's like real rock star preachers that are out there, admittedly, right? And, and you can go and you can watch that. And this was happening beforehand. But now, as a result of the pandemic, it's like, well, yeah, I go to the rock church. And so, you know, I can, on Sunday morning, I, I can come and I can, I can watch our worship team and I can, I can listen to Glenn or, or to Rudy or to a guest speaker. And uh, at the same time, tisk tisk, right? That's available. That's available. And I think in some cases we can get used to that. I mean, even in our own case, we've, we've made it possible for you, even before the pandemic, you know, we put our podcasts up. We've been doing that for 10 years. We started putting up the videos about uh, three years ago, I believe, and, and live streaming about two years even before the pandemic. And so we made it possible for you to go, you know, it's a beautiful sunny Sunday morning. And, and you know, I, I, could, I could go climb, or I could go for a run, or I could go to the beach, I could do whatever I want, and you know, I can, I can catch up on Sunday night. Again, tisk tisk. But... So we enabled you, right? And, but it is good, it is good. Sometimes we're sick, sometimes we need to be at home. And so there are, there are pluses and there are minuses to these things. And so part of the reason why I felt really compelled to uh, this year do this particular message is because I'm hoping at the end of today's message, one thing will be very clear. Like I said last week, having two goals and objectives as a late-in-life church planter, pastor who left the business world to come here and do this, that there were two things on my heart. I just wanted a church where you would love the Word of God. The Word of God in the Bible and the Word of God in the flesh, of course. But also that you would love His church. You would hold it in high esteem. Well, I'm hoping today that you will love the Sunday gathering. You'll come to understand how deeply important it is to the mission of the church, which means how deeply important it is to your spiritual growth and your life. And listen to everyone else who's in this room and who's upstairs. It's not just, as we like to say sometimes, about you or me. It's about others. So um, one of the other things I think that's come out of uh, this pandemic is there's been a realization that, wait a second, and, and this is true of, of the church planting world, which I'm, I've been part of for a long time, and that is, is that, well, you know, listen, um, you know, these smaller gatherings on Sunday morning, because some of our people, when, you know, there was like little bubbles, right, they would get together, 10, 11, 12 people at a home, and they'd watch on a screen, they'd be socially distanced, but they'd be together a little bit, and, and there was this idea that, like, home church is pretty cool too, Right? I mean, I mean, let's face it, that's how the early church met, right? I mean, it's probably the way to go, right? Yeah. It's an option. Clearly, it's an option. If you lived in China right now, it's the only option in hiding. If you lived in Turkey, it's the only option. But it's not the only option for us. 
And it's actually, like we like to say, not necessarily what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit has in mind overall. So that's what I want to look at with you this morning. So I want to look at with you the importance of gathering together as the church on the first day of the week. As the church, as one expression. So your mission uh, message title for today, it'll be on screen here, is the gathering of the church. I hope to show you three things in that. Gathering together in the Bible, we're going to look at first. What was it like in the early church? Really? Was it only house churches? Secondly, who the gathering is for? This one's really important. I think if we don't understand this one well, we can get off mission, off the actual mission that Jesus has in mind. And lastly, the purpose of the gathering, what the real purpose is. So before we go on, can I pray for us one more time? Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, again, this day. Uh, Lord, we are so fortunate, so blessed to be able to gather like this. It's not so for many, many of our brothers and sisters around the world. may not be so for us in the future. We don't know. It certainly wasn't so for the past 18 months. So, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we are so grateful. I am so grateful that I can be here with my brothers and sisters. And we can, we can participate with each other in this way. So, Lord, I pray that today you will, you will uh, help us to see what you really have in mind and why it is a beautiful thing and why it is so important for us as Christians to gather together on the first day of the week. And I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. And so as I mentioned last week, early on in our church planting career, we were part of a, and we still are, part of a network of church planters across Canada and, and affiliated with some in the United States. And it's an awesome thing. And, and, and so we, we had lots of resources given to us uh, before planting and during planting. And, and most of those resources were uh, centered on, you know, the mission, you know, what the mission is all about. So, you know, you got a really good mission and, and a focus on that. Uh, theologically, which would be called missiology, understanding of what that is. And then second all, you know, understanding the church, ecclesiology. These are fancy words, but that's, it's about the life of the church, what the church looks like, its form, its governance, so on and so forth. And these are great things. But, but as well, one of the things that we studied and looked at often was, well, what's the model? Like, what is the model of the church? And, 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 and for some people early on in the life of the church, it's true for us, the house church model is the model that they think maybe we should go with that. That's how The Rock began for two weeks. Hmm. We met in our house, in the sunroom of our house, and people spilled out onto our back deck because it was summer, it was warm. And then after a few weeks, we had a core group of about 14, 16 people and 11 kids, and it was like, this is too much. So, so we rented the, the adventure center over there with an amphitheater of about 30 to 40 and we did that for two weeks, and that started to fill up. And, well, that, what do we do now? Well, we went to Eagle Eye Community Theater, where we could hold 192 people, and the rock began on September 27, 2009. And that's how we progressed as a church at that time. But this, this house church model is, is popular, and, and, and even today, as I alluded in the, uh, uh, the introduction, that sometimes people believe that, well, look, that would be the best way to go. And that is the way it is done in the New Testament. I want to show you this morning that that's true, but that is certainly not the only way 
that was done in the New Testament. That might be a surprise to you. Beginning in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So we, we actually know the number, approximately, of those that were there in one place on that day. And I can assure you that in that place, on that day, it wasn't a house. Because there were certainly the 12 apostles. There were, by all accounts, at least 120 disciples who had been following Jesus and were with him on the day that he rose from the dead, which would have been 40 days earlier. And so there were many who had seen him in the time between that and this day. So there's many here. Theologians and commentators would agree that it's probably two to 300 people by this time. Were there, and there were men and women from all over the known world at that time who'd come to Jerusalem for the Passover, who, who wanted to be there, who, who came into the place on the day of Pentecost. Pardon me, they came for Pentecost, and, and they came into that place, and they hear these guys preaching after the Holy Spirit falls upon them. So that's the first example we have where we have many people in one place, and, and some would say that the church starts a few verses earlier. I would agree, but in fact, this is a gathering of the church that we're speaking about here. Then in Acts chapter 2, 42, we see this. After Peter has preached that incredible sermon, gospel sermon, where people are cut to the heart and come to faith in Jesus, and the church literally is born because on that day people are being baptized into their faith, which is the way we enter the church, is through baptism. Well, it's through regeneration, of course, first. But we read here, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, this, this is a huge number by this point because we know that on the day of Pentecost, after Peter had preached that amazing sermon, approximately two to 3,000 men came to faith in Jesus on that day. At least that's what the scripture records. So that means there was plenty more because women too, obviously, came to faith in Christ. It's a very large number. In Acts chapter 5, verse 12, we read, Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Large auditorium. All together. Not just a few. All together. In Acts chapter 14, verse 27, And when they arrived, this is Paul and Barnabas sharing about their mission trip and coming to the church, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So we don't read here that when they returned, they went from house to house to house to house giving the report. No, we read that they were all together. In Acts chapter 15, verse 30, um, this is after Paul and Barnabas returned from the Jerusalem council where there was a bit of a question about, well, is Paul's gospel the same as the gospel? And the, the, the conclusion was yes. And they return and we read, so when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together in Antioch, they delivered the letter to the church in Antioch. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, this is a very important and famous verse related to the first day of the week, which is Sunday. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread... Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. You would love this sermon to go that long, wouldn't you? 
Somebody literally fell asleep and fell out of a window, right? In that story, remember that one? <clears throat> yeah, even Paul put people to sleep, but okay. Um, they were all together. They were all together. Another amazing example of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 to 22. Let me read them for you and comment as we go along. But you'll see the, you'll see the point I hope that I'm making. But in the following instruction, so Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Again, most of you know the background, or some of you do. If you don't, this is the story that a big church, like really growing, but they, they were on fire, especially with spiritual gifts. And so there was a lot of writing to them about you know, corrective measures. Things were getting a little out of hand. They weren't breaking bread and, and doing communion correctly. Uh, speaking in tongues was an issue, which we will see more of later. So he says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. I don't praise you guys, because listen, here's what's happened. When you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that some, or there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine might be recognized. In elder and training class, I will be pointing the men to the fact that this is one of the roles of an elder, is to be, to be acknowledged and seen to be speaking into divisions and speaking truth into it and also trying to keep the unity of the church. He goes on, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. Hmm. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. So that means they were re- using real wine, I would think, right? What? Look at this. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul's kind of direct, isn't he? He's like, really? Yeah. I can imagine them getting this letter going, ouch. That was the point, actually. Then in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty four, he sums it up and he says, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come to you. And I'm sure they're sitting there going, can't wait for that. Maybe just send another letter. It might be a little easier. So listen, I offer that to you not to say that a home church is a bad idea. I'm not saying that. But I, I want to really stress to you, this is important. The gathering and functioning of the church is really, really important. So that, that's point number one in our message for today. Number two is this, who the gathering is for. I feel this will probably be a challenge for some of us. So the question behind this point is, of course, who is the gathering of the church for? Who's it for? Today, right here, right now. We have a sign out on the street, sandwich board. It has these words on it. Everyone welcome every Sunday. That's a true statement. Amen? Who is the church for, is the question. Understanding the answer to this question is going to be a challenge, might be a challenge. If, if you or I have been part of churches in the past, have been taught things about the mission that are not biblically accurate, not really the mission of the church, in addition to ideas about what the gathering should look like and why, as well as who it is primarily for. So let's begin by stating the obvious. 
It's called the gathering of the church. Who's the church? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 18, uh, verse 16, which we have again on our banners, they talked about ecclesia, I will build my church. The word ecclesia literally meaning those who are called out, called out ones. The, the, the whole of the New Testament, the whole spectrum of the scripture in the New Testament speaks to the issue, the idea that those who make up the church are those who have been redeemed, who are born again, those who are in Jesus Christ, those who are saints in Christ. That's the church. That, I want to suggest to you, is who are Christians. And that is the group of people whom the gathering of the church is primarily for. I'm leaning on that word. I hope you hear me, right? In the book of Acts, it was, and is consistent to say, that when they speak of being all together as the church, they are speaking about Christians. And so the short and clear answer is that the gathering of the church is for those who are in Jesus Christ. That's who it is primarily for. But that said, as we will see, it does not mean that unbelievers are not welcome. It doesn't mean that. We'll see some scripture that speaks to that. Of course they are. However, the main point for us this morning is the model of the church, the model of the gathering, the liturgy, what we do and how we function here is to be focused on the believer in Jesus Christ. Misunderstanding this principle leads us away from what Jesus has in mind for his mission and therefore the gathering. So I, I want to sh- go over with you a few interesting examples. Some of you are way too young to have remembered some of these things and seen this in the past. I want to show you three models of the church that have been adopted over the past 100 years approximately, maybe a little longer. And, and it's been adopted as the model of the church and what the gathering of the church is all about. And, and the first one, and I'm, I'm actually too young. No, I'm not. But I remember being part of churches that were kind of like this. And, and I, I believe it was birthed out of the early 1900s uh, when there were the fire and brimstone kind of preachers, right? And, and boy, were they effective. You know, people were like, it was a huge guilt trip, kind of like Peter's sermon in Acts 2, right? And uh, you're a sinner, you know, you're going to burn. And like, it was serious stuff. And these preachers were attracting a lot of people in tent meetings and so forth. And so some people in the church thought, hey, wait a second, that's what the Sunday morning should look like. And so I'm titling this model the evangelistic meeting of the week model, right? And, and it literally in the 40s and 50s and 60s, and I was born somewhere in there, uh, and, and, and grew up in some of this kind of situation, um, especially in the Roman Catholic Church where I was part of at the time. But the idea of the church at that time was that this meeting was primarily to be a fire and brimstone preaching, come to Jesus meeting. And so you know what your job was? You know what your role was? To invite people, (laughs) right? And people did that. People did that for decades. That was the model of the church. It was a very popular, some places still the model, where the idea is is that you invite people to come and get yelled at. (laughs) Okay, come on. And but you invite people to come and, and 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 you just bring them to the church and it's whose job to get them saved. The preacher, right? No pressure. Um, 
that was the model. The idea, you bring people, and that's all you got to do. Yeah, come to church. You got to come to church. It's great. You really got to come, and you got to hear this. You know, it's really important, really. And that's it. Well, I hope, again, if you remember the message from last week, no, 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 hang on a second, and we'll see this next week in the scattering. It's actually not my job, primarily. The, the model of the church gets changed. The gathering, the, the, what we do gets changed. And, and so here, here's why that model didn't work out. Well, I'll say the main reason why it didn't work out is because it wasn't what Jesus had in mind. Okay? That's the simple answer. But it's also this. You would bring people, invite people, and, and, and after a while, some of your friends would stop talking to you. <laughs> they would come two or three times, and they would go, <clears throat> yeah, no thanks. Yeah, that was, that, that was a little too harsh. I was like, and, and, and you're like kind of, and then now the church starts going, yeah, you know what? You know, I used to really think our preacher was amazing. And, uh, but yeah, the sermons, first of all, are way too long. And he keeps using that word sin a lot. And, uh, and, and people like the, you know, the, the, the coffee was terrible. I didn't realize that before, but my friends told me how bad the coffee was. You know, and then on top of that, my friends and I, we went to the symphony last night or we went to a rock concert. And then we went and we listened to the worship team. Right? And, and so the focus then became on, well, what are we doing wrong? Obviously, we're not doing it well enough. And so, so that model failed for some of those reasons. It sounds silly, I know, but it is silly. But it failed for some of those reasons. But, you know, Christians, if, if nothing else, are, are very industrious. <laughs> and so the, the idea is, is if that, well, if that doesn't work, the problem is we're just not work, doing it well enough. We're not working hard enough at it. In the mid-1970s, a new model of the church was birthed. It was called the seeker-sensitive church model. A church for the unchurched. Yeah, that's what it was called. In 1975, in uh, north part of Chicago, a church by the name of Willow Creek was planted uh, by a man by the name of Bill Hybels, and it just took off. From the day they planted that church, they had invested millions of dollars in their building, uh, in the facilities, it was very much like a theater, lighting, track, just unbelievable stage settings. They hired professional musicians and singers to be on their worship team. They had drama teams. It was unbelievable. It was just, it was a rock star church. I remember going to a church in Langley, and many of the church leaders in the church in Langley were like, we've got to go to Chicago and see this church, because it's just, it's just exploding. Well... One of the other things is that they would show videos, right, of what kids' church was like, and it was like, uh, you can't compete. <laughs> like, literally, it was, it was unbelievable, the production, and they, they, they'd have, you know, like, people dressed up like dinosaurs, and, and I mean, it was, it was full out, unbelievable, the top. In fact, here was the deal. If the next Sunday, you as a parent were like, I just feel like going to church, your kids would be going, come on, I want to go. That was part of the plan, Right. It was part of the attractional model, which is also what it became known as. It was part of the plan. So it was incredibly successful. In fact, they also uh, they came up with a whole new style of preaching. I mean, first of all, the messages were short, right? That's, that's awesome, isn't it? Right? They were short. Like 25, 30 minutes, bingo, good. Now I can go climbing. Yeah. <clears throat> but they were also um, very seeker-sensitive. They were very therapeutic. Oh, there was some moralistic aspects to it, for sure. But they were all about, you know, basically self-help. How to have a better financial situation. How to have a better marriage. How to be a better parent. 
all these things. Very little focus at all on the gospel. I'm actually proud of this church in the sense that uh, in 2005, they released a two-year survey and study, and they confessed it was a dismal failure. After 30 years, they realized, and having tens of thousands of people come through their doors, very few people professed faith in Jesus Christ or continued in their faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the second model. There is one other, and I'm, I'm going to mention it. I was looking for a maybe softer name for it, but I'm going to, I'm going to call it this, the all-inclusive church model. Now, of course, when I use the word inclusive, most of you will understand. I don't want to delve too deeply into that, but just to say once again, the church is for those who are in Christ. And so the purpose of the gathering, the liturgy of the gathering, needs to be focused on that. Despite the fact that people might say to you, yeah, I just don't want to come, (laughs) which is okay. But I also want to encourage you with this. In the past 12 years, many people who did not believe in Jesus, were not believing, have come to the Rock Church and ended up believing in Jesus Christ and getting baptized. Some of them are here today. We're called to be faithful. So point number three today, which we'll spend uh, the last bit of our time on, is the purpose of the gathering then. What is the purpose of the gathering? As most of you who have been with us for long will know, we take our basic liturgy for the model of the church from Acts 2.42, which we'll go back to and will be on screen. And they, the early church, did this from day one. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They did this every Sunday, first day of the week. We do too. It's been the model of the gathering of the church of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. In most locales, this is what you're going to find. The church is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, and in our case, from books of the Bible and verse by verse, so that we will learn about Jesus, yes, but we'll also learn about our walk in our faith and what the mission is and what we are to be doing and how we're to live this Christian life as the church. Not just here on Sunday morning, but also when we scatter. And then, of course, we break bread. Now, we haven't been able to do that in 18 to 20 months, but starting on September 12th, Lord willing, please, Lord Jesus, we want to break bread again. And we, we, we did that from day one as a church. We would finish the sermon. I or whoever was preaching would lead us into communion. And we would break bread together because it's what Jesus commanded us to do. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so hopefully we'll begin doing that again. And of course, we, we engage in the fellowship. And the fellowship is, yeah, it's the chit-chat and it's the, it's the loving one another at the beginning of the service and after the service. But also the word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia, which literally means holding all things in common. And, and as a family, what that means is supporting the life and the mission of the church financially with our tithes and our offerings. And finally, we have prayers. We have prayer here before service, we have prayers during service, and we have prayers after service for anyone who's in need of prayer. And so this has been our model from day one. So in one sense, I almost feel like as, as we look at what I want to show you here 
this morning about our model and, and, and the gathering of the church, the purpose of the gathering of the church, I almost feel like next Sunday's message should, should have been preached first, but no, not really. But because in this sense, the, the idea is, is that if you scatter well, if we scatter well and we scatter in the way that Jesus has in mind, after being built up and energized from the, the coming together on a Sunday morning, I'll tell you what, by the time you get to Saturday night, you can't wait to see your brothers and sisters, your family, on Sunday morning. And to serve one another. And to hear God's word again. By whoever from our church family is doing the preaching. So, why do we gather together? What is the primary purpose? Well, number one has to be to worship our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If there were no other reason, is that not reason enough? To worship Him. We worship our Savior for all that He has done, is doing in our lives, and and has in the past six or seven days in our lives personally, in the lives of our family members, in the lives of our neighbors and our community, our co-workers, whom we're sharing with, who we're loving. And we come and we sing our praises to him and, and, and bring those to him and, and worship him. And, and we do it as a testimony to the street and the testimony to each other because of who he is, how worthy he is. He is worthy on Sunday morning of our attention and our worship more than anything else, I will say, with my own added, amen, amen. But the second reason and second purpose for this is really important. It, it, it applies to the mission of the church so well. I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians to see a couple of verses that, that show this to us before we get to the, the key verses that show this to us for today. And the second reason is, the second reason and purpose for the gathering and on Sunday is for you, every one of you and for me, to bring our gifts for the purpose of building one another up. In 1 Corinthians 14, 23, Paul says, as he continues to instruct this church in Corinth, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and look, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? I love that verse. For my charismatic tongue-speaking friends, I love you. Okay? But, but Paul's, this is a corrective letter, right? So what's happening there is that there are some people probably faking it, some people like just tr- trying to be seen to use this gift, and it's getting out of hand. But Paul's making a point here. It's, a, it's an if situation, but he's also suggesting this. Again, see that? The whole church comes together, and outsiders and believers, or unbelievers, pardon me, will be there. Amen, yes, hopefully they will be. But here's the thing. What is Paul concerned about? Paul's concern that, first of all, they will observe the church being the church, being devoted as Christians, and for exercising their gifts appropriately, obviously. Otherwise, unbelievers, outsiders are going to go, they really are nuts, you know. Like, He goes on just a few verses later and says this in verse 26. What then, brothers? Here's his conclusion. When you come together, see these words, each one 
has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Friends, I want to encourage you. I know at first blush this might be like, okay, hold on here. (laughs) We're to come prepared on Sunday morning to, to give something to our brothers and sisters in Christ here in this church. We're to come prepared I remember this uh, little tiny church that Janice and I were going to in uh, Richmond many, many years ago, and we would go, and I was a businessman, and I would go, and we would just go through the motions. and go. Th- I mean, we liked the church, but one day this very old man at this church, Mr. Morning, I think was his name, right? He comes up to me, and he, he stood in front of me. He's, he's an older guy, and, and he just looked at me and goes, Hey, Sonny. Like, I'm 40, right? Hey, Sonny. It'd be good to hear your voice some Sunday morning. <laughs> okay. Um, his point was is in the breaking of bread service that everyone was encouraged to call out a hymn to sing or, or get up and read a psalm or, or something that reflected the, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and in our place and for our sins. And so Paul's instructing this church to say, hey, listen, bring something to share with your brothers and sisters. Look forward to coming because I've been praying throughout the week for, for somebody in this room. And, 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 and I, I want to just come and I'm, I'm going to hope they're going to be there and, that and I'm going to be able to come up to them and say, hey, I wanted to give this to you. This, this prayer, this thought that the Lord gave to me from a devotion that I had because you know what? I love you and I missed you and I'm just really glad you're here today. That's the purpose for us coming. So it's great. Once again, we see here in a verse that speaks of the church gathered as one, and you see what they're doing. They're singing hymns, they're teaching, they're equipping, being a revelation of God's truth from his word, and yes, maybe speaking in a tongue or interpreting a tongue that builds up the church. So here we see another reason to gather together, so that all bring something to share, to give, and not just receive. Possibly the clearest teaching in the reason to gather and the purpose of the gathering. We've been over this before. I just want to read these verses for you before we close one more time. Uh, It's Paul's instructions to the church in Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, where he's speaking about the gifts that Jesus is giving to the church and so on. Look what it says. And he, Jesus, gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints, that's you by the way, for the work of ministry after this service is over, when you scatter. And so, again, part of the reason for the whole church to be together as much as possible, if possible, is that hopefully those gifted individuals will be there on that Sunday. People with an apostolic gifting. And by the way, these gifts are not just men. These are men and women who have an apostolic gifting, a gifting of leading and starting and initiating things, like being a church planter, like being a Sunday school leader, like whatever it might be. A prophetic gift, someone who from the Word of God can exhort someone in their life that the Lord's speaking to me about, obviously an evangelist, and of course, pastors, shepherds, teachers, downstairs and upstairs, gifted people. For what purpose? For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. 
He goes on, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, look at this, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This day of the week, what we're doing here this morning is critically important to your walk with Christ, to your growing in your faith with Jesus Christ, and to your witness and testimony to this community. It's that important. So Jesus himself gives men and women with specific gifts that are necessary for the ongoing growth of the individual in their faith. Included in the purpose, obviously, in these verses is discipleship. Like, we sometimes think of discipleship as like, well, okay, I'm going to go for coffee with John, right? And I'm going to disciple John, and then John is going to go for a coffee with somebody else and disciple them. Discipleship is to be happening and does happen right here in this room. I'll tell you what the number one way to disciple someone is. Show up. show up for them. That's what we're doing here. That's why we show up at Missional Community Group. And yes, to say hello, to how you doing. And if there's an issue that needs prayer, you're discipling. I'll tell you what, there's discipling going on upstairs right now, isn't there? We're teaching our children. We're discipling our kids. There's discipling going on here right now too. Not just by me speaking to you, but by the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your mind. And that's why it's fulfilling what Jesus said about this church that he would build when he said in Matthew 28, to teach them to obey all that I have taught you. That's discipleship. So we teach in all these ways. We serve one another by joining a servant team. We serve here on Sunday morning. Every one of us can be involved in service on a Sunday to our brothers and sisters in some small way. I love it sometimes. I see new people. I can see some faces here in the room today where they're new at the rock for two or three weeks and, and they keep coming. And then at the end of the service, while people are chit-chatting, they'll see the set up and take down team uh, re, you know, packaging up the chairs and so forth. And then all of a sudden they go, hey, wait, hang on a second. Nobody asks them and they just help. I've seen that happen. That's a really wonderful thing. And so finally... The purpose of the gathering of the church on a Sunday is to be built up once again to go, to scatter into this community, to be sent back into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we are. Having been strengthened, continue the ground war. This is an air war this morning. You know, we're we're battling principalities and powers in high places today. How? Preaching the word of God, participating in it by listening and hearing to it. We're battling that. And then you go back into this community, making disciples who make disciples, something of which we will spend all of our time next Sunday looking more deeply into when we look at the scattering. Pray with me, would you?